That was loud. <laughs> Call the House to order. Call the Senate to order. We'd welcome you to uh, the 63rd legislature. Having been elected to the office of representative, do solemnly swear that I will support, obey, and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Utah. The of the State of Utah. Congratulations. I move by acclamation that the House elect Representative Brad Wilson as the Speaker of the Utah House of Representatives. By acclamation, Senator Jay Stewart Adams is elected to serve as President of the Utah State Senate. Congratulations, President Adams. Mr. President, the House has been notified that we are organized and ready to do business. The House is organized and ready to do business. Madam Reading Clerk. HCR 1, concurrent resolution. This is a good law, good policy, and I'd ask for your support. The state of our state is strong, it is resilient, and our outlook is very, very bright. Welcome back to 45 Days, KUER's weekly legislative recap. I'm Julia Ritchie. And I'm Nicole Nixon. It's day five of the 2019 legislative session. Only 40 days to go. Yes. We made it through the first week, Julia. We are also organized and ready to do business. You know, there's always some major, like, back-to-school vibes around the Capitol mm -hmm. on the first few days, but it didn't take long for lawmakers to take up some really controversial bills. Hello, Medicaid expansion rollback, <laughs> and we'll get to that in just a bit. Let's start with the first day, though. We had new leadership officially sworn in. Brad Wilson takes up the gavel as House Speaker, and Stuart Adams is the new Senate president. They each gave their first big speeches on the opening day of the session, and they hit on big priorities, growth and tax reform. But significant growth brings significant challenges, which loom large in number and in scope. Imagine developing a transportation system that handles our, our expanding population. Imagine a sustainable, broad, fair tax system. An even better idea would be to deliver this session the largest single tax cut in Utah state history of at least $225 million. You know, Speaker Wilson surprised a few people with that $225 million figure after Herbert had proposed a measly $200 million. Yes, and President Adams wasn't even in on that poker game, apparently. But by Wednesday, even Herbert was cheering for it. I agree with Speaker Wilson that we should invest directly in the hardworking Utahns who created the surplus by giving them a $225 million tax cut, which will be the largest tax cut in Utah's history. So this is a two-pronged approach by Republican leaders. What Herbert is really after is tax reform, specifically expanding the number of things that can be taxed in order to lower the overall tax rate. Say it with me. Broaden, broaden the, the base, base lower, lower the, the rate. rate. And an even bigger <laughs> surprise this week is the amount they want to lower the rate by. So the state sales tax rate is currently at 4.7 percent. And the governor had originally proposed getting it down below 3.9%, but at his state of the state. We'll cut it by 64%, nearly two-thirds, from 4.85% to a mere 1.75%. That is a tax cut of $225 million, especially benefiting the lower and middle-income families. But less than 24 hours later, one of the leading House Republicans on tax reform said, and I quote, that's not going to happen. And that really shows you just how fast things can change up here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yes. So obviously this is a little counterintuitive to most people mm -hmm. and, and to me as well. But in order to get that $225 million 
number that Herbert wants. He wants to tax a lot more stuff. Right. We know that there are three lawmakers working on this big bill that would expand the tax base, though there's not a lot of details right now. But this week, Herbert mentioned sort of rideshare companies and other professional and online-based services that are currently exempt that he'd like to see taxed. Not my Netflix. Not my. I know. They've, not my Hulu. They've talked a lot. They've talked about taxing that stuff for a long time. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what actually ends up happening. Okay. So a lot of other things happened this week. Medicaid is sucking up most of the oxygen so far, but we have had a few other bills pass out of committee. That's right. Uh, just to mention a few, a Senate committee approved a bill that would provide uh, $24 million in incentives for cities to implement affordable housing projects. And the full House passed a bill that would let candidates use their campaign funds to pay for child care. Like if you're campaigning and you need a babysitter to watch your kids while you go to fundraisers and stuff like that, that one next goes to the Senate. It's about time. But the issue that dominated the week was a bill by Senator Alan Christensen of North Ogden. His bill would repeal and replace the Medicaid expansion initiative that voters just passed in November. We will talk to our healthcare reporter, Eric Newman, about what went down in just a second. Hi, it's Nicole Nixon from 45 Days. Every week, Julia Ritchie and I break down the latest news and bills coming out of the Utah legislative session. If you enjoy the podcast, you should sign up for the 45 Days newsletter. It's like our show, except it's an email and you read it. Let us send you email. Sign up at 45days.org. I had to turn it up. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, got it. It's a little low, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going. So sometimes the first week of the legislative session can be a little slow. We're all getting back into the swing of things, and there's not a ton of movement on bills yet. Except for this year. Right. Senate Republicans are already shoving through a bill that would roll back Medicaid expansion that voters approved in a ballot initiative just a couple months ago. So it's been the story of the week, really. Mm -hmm. So here to help us explain what's going on is our health care reporter, Eric Newman. Hi, Eric. Hello. So first of all, Eric, tell us what voters approved in November. Uh, So voters approved Proposition 3, which is the Medicaid expansion proposal, which is um, expanding Medicaid low-income health programs as much as states can under the Affordable Care Act, um, which goes up to 138% of the federal poverty level. Um, Here in Utah, it translates to about 150,000 Utahns um, who are lower-income folks who could benefit by getting health insurance. Um, It was one of the many big... Uh, initiative wins uh, for voters in Utah. And so I think a lot of people are pretty taken aback that that is now being challenged in the legislature. Yeah. So help us figure out what it is that uh, Senator Christensen's bill would actually do. Uh, A lot of the lawmakers are concerned that the tax increase that came with Proposition 3 is not going to be enough. Right. That was uh, what we heard a lot this week. Right. And so they want to put enrollment caps on the number of people that can get health insurance. This is getting fairly wonky. Um, and they want to base those caps on how much money would come in from the, the tax increase that is tied to Proposition 3. So why are they doing this now? Why not just wait for Proposition 3 to take effect and, and see how it works for a couple years? Um, they want to do this, well, they're arguing they want to do this now because uh, one of the steps in this proposal that uh, Christensen has is to get approval from the federal government in the form of a waiver in order to uh, make these changes to the Medicaid program. And they say they need to do this now because the sooner they can get this 
conversation going with the federal government, the sooner they can get approval, the sooner they can get people health coverage. But you pointed out this week in, in a story that we have submitted waivers to the federal government before, and they've taken more than a year to come back. So they're, they're, they keep saying this week, we're confident that we'll be able to do this by the April 1st deadline if we do it now. Right. Yeah, it was a big achievement when the last waiver was approved uh, to get this lim- to get Medicaid for this limited group of people. It was like five to seven thousand mm-hmm. uh, adults without kids, basically people that were uh, dealing with, dealing with substance abuse or chronically homeless. And they called took- yeah, they called it the neediest Utahns. It was people who were in and out of housing. Right. And I went back and looked at that, and I it took over a year to get mm-hmm. that waiver approved by CMS, and then uh, a lot of what's in this current bill. Um, CMS is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and a lot of what's in this bill that they're going over right now is based on HB 472, which came up last year, which they had to apply for a waiver for that one. And that one never even got approved by the time voters passed Medicaid ex- expansion, which absorbed that old bill. Hmm. So, so is this just the same bill that passed last year, essentially? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really similar. Um, but what's the pushback? Obviously, a lot of people are upset by this, and it's not just Democrats. So what is the criticism here now? Um, people are afraid that uh, not as many Utahns are going to get health coverage. Um, they, the legislature wants to take a chunk of these needy uh, folks who need health insurance and instead direct them to uh, the Affordable Care Act marketplace, which will uh, could require them to uh, pay some amount of their own income to get health insurance. I think a lot of it just is people feel frustrated because the money to pay for Medicaid is available at the federal government, and right now Utah is just not taking it back, and so it's just sitting there, and so it feels really frustrating and unfair to people that this is something that's not being taken advantage of. And not to mention how many other states now have already done this Yeah. With, quite a bit of success, I would say. Right. Yeah. It's in the 30s. I forget exactly how many states it Mm -hmm. is, but a majority of states have expanded Medicaid at this point. So as of this recording, the Senate has given first approval on the bill and it could be in the House by next week. And we still don't know what the House is going to do to it, but we will keep you posted. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Hey, 45 Days listeners, we want to hear from you. Got a question about this year's legislative session? Go to KUER.org and tell us what's on your mind. Just look on the right-hand side of our homepage, and you'll find a box where you can type in your question. Oh, and make sure you sign up for the 45 Days newsletter there, too. We'll gather up your questions and try to answer them each week on the podcast. Ask your questions at KUER.org. We mentioned last week a record number of women in the legislature this year. 25 out of 104 Utah lawmakers are women. So we invited two women from opposing parties to join us this week. Representative Suzanne Harrison is a Democrat from District 32, which includes Sandy and Draper. And Representative Melissa Ballard is a Republican representing District 20, which has Bountiful and Woods Cross. And we talked about female representation, growth, and being the new kids on the block. Just a quick disclosure that Representative Suzanne Harrison is a member of KUER's Volunteer Advisory Board. So for the first time, the legislature will be 24% female, uh, which is still below the national average, but higher than it's ever been. So I want to start by asking you why this matters. I think it absolutely matters. And we saw this year really a national trend towards more women running for office, both nationally and here locally. 
And I think it makes a huge difference because perspective matters. And I'm really excited to be part of a freshman class with the most women in the Utah legislature ever. So, and I think our perspective and life perspective and different career backgrounds all contribute to helping make better policy for Utah families. Representative Ballard, were you motivated to run this year because you were seeing other women running? What made you decide to run for office? You know, I, as a woman, I have had many years of asking myself, what can I do and what can, how can I step forward? And so the decision to run was less to do with, with seeing other women necessarily, but more to do with where I am in my life and thinking, where else can I step forward? And this was a great opportunity, and I'm excited to be here and be part of it. So Representative Suzanne Harrison, your district was one of a few Democratic pickups. Uh, used to be represented by probably one of the more conservative members of the legislature. What is happening in Sandy that you think contributed to that switch? And and you can mention how close you came last time when you ran. Yeah, in 2016, I ran and ended up losing by just three votes out of almost 18,000 votes cast. And I think I worked really hard in the interim to continue listening in the community and continue to reach out to different voters and different constituents to to hear what issues really matter to them. We ended up winning this time by a pretty large margin, and I think it reflects that people are, are not as interested in partisan politics, but they're interested in someone that will listen to them and represent the issues that really matter to them. And I feel that oftentimes the, the focus that sometimes is the priority in the Utah legislature is not the focus of regular everyday Utah families, at least in my community. The people in my community care about how many kids are in their, you know, child's school class and, you know, are they able to go outside at recess and breathe clean air and are they able to afford to go see their doctor? And these huge issues, I think, really need more focus in the Utah legislature. Representative Ballard, your father was a former Speaker of the House in Utah, and I wondered if being raised seeing uh, someone in politics made it easier for you to, to be involved? Absolutely. I saw as a teen, I would be knocking on doors and putting up signs for my father, even as as a, before being a teen. And I I saw the work that it was, was involved with it, but I also saw the difference that it made and the impact that it has on our community. And it made it much easier for me to say, yes, I can do this and I want to step forward. So growth has been sort of the issue that everyone talks about during their campaigns, and I'm sure it's the things you hear most about from your constituents, whether it's air quality or traffic. What is it about growth that you're concerned about in your particular districts, and what do you hope to accomplish on the legislative level? I contributed to the population growth. (laughs) I I have six kids, and um, two of them were recently married, and they had a hard time finding housing, and but they want to live close. They want to work close, and they enjoy this great state. So that does involve fluid transportation, involves good air quality, and preparation for schools that can handle our population. So it's all in a, a connected in the greater whole, and that means for this to be a great place that I grew up in and live in, it takes a lot of work and preparation for this to be a good place for our kids to have that opportunity and experience. Absolutely. And I see it in my community and people having a hard time getting their kids to soccer practice or dance recitals and just the congestion that we're seeing and overcrowding in our schools. And I think it's critical to have 
people in office, both at the state and local level, that can have a long-term plan and work together to have that long-term vision and solve problems together. So you have you both been through freshman orientation now? Yes. I was going to ask if there was anything that was surprising to you or that maybe people don't know about the legislative process that you learned. Well, one of my favorite parts of orientation was kind of rules school, where they go through, these are the rules of the House, these are the rules of the Senate, these are the the decorum standards, and that was really fun to go through with a group of freshmen, and we're all going to have a steep learning curve in terms of rules and decorum, but I'm really excited for the chance to be up there and represent all the people in my community. Uh, My thought was looking around at the number of freshmen this year, both in the House and the Senate, and realizing at the state level, I don't think we need term limits. I think the people of Utah are really good at cycling through at the right time, the right place to change our legislators. New blood. New blood. (laughs) It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Representative Melissa Ballard from District 20 and Representative Susan Harrison from District 32, thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It was a blast. 45 Days is a production of KUER News. This episode was produced by Tim Slover with original music by David Whited. Be sure to subscribe to our new newsletter, which goes out every Monday morning. To do that and find more local news and legislative coverage, visit our website at KUER.org. We also have another website, 45days.org. And if you have thoughts about Medicaid expansion, we want to hear them. So send a voice memo to news at KUER.org. Put something like Medicaid expansion memo in the subject line. And remember to find us on social media. On Twitter, I am at underscore Nixo. And I am at Julia Ritchie. See you next week. Bye.